Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. So, what? Uh, anything new going on with you all lately? Any um, new interests? Or Sydney, we know where this is going. You don't have to pretend like it's about all of us. <laughs> Any new forms of media with which you've recently decided to engage? Yeah, I don't know, Sid. What about you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm on TikTok. Oh, there it is. Sydney <laughs> <laughs> has taken over TikTok. I figured it out. Well, okay. It took a while. <laughs> you figured it out in the sense that you have created a 60-second video format that you have taken to uh-huh. TikTok. Yeah, they can only be 60 seconds long. I had to figure that part out. <laughs> yeah. My first one I made, uh, I didn't post it because then I was like, well, why does it keep cutting off? Oh. <laughs> that's why <laughs> oh didn't know that part but um, that's better really what is the the format of all of your tiktoks so far <laughs> <laughs> so i do this thing um where i will read articles about tv shows that i don't watch yeah okay. um you've done this thing for a while yes and uh, I sometimes I'll start telling Justin about these articles about these TV shows that uh, that he does not watch either. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I sometimes it's as a joke. Sometimes it's just like legitimately like you won't believe what they're doing on This Is Us. It's like <laughs> We don't watch This Is Us. And I'm like, well, but guess what they're doing? <laughs> Um, especially like spoiler ones. I love the idea of spoiling a TV show I've never watched for myself. I don't know what's wrong with me. It just, anyway. So now I, <laughs> now I make TikToks where I tell Justin about these articles. Mm-hmm. I, I like that, like, you know, you, let's see. So you've got a podcast where you talk about media that you, you have watched. And then you mm-hmm. have a TikTok where you talk about media <laughs> that you haven't watched. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's and it. you're a doctor. <laughs> See your jobs. <laughs> I, uh, it's very, it's, I think it's a good, like, (laughs) condensed version of what a lot of the interactions that Justin and I have are like, where I am, uh, urgently telling him about something that he has very little interest in. (laughs) Well, it it probably helps him, right? Because it puts a 60 second limit on how long Mm -hmm. you can tell him about these articles. It's a good deal. It's a win-win. Uh, and also in real life, are you usually about two inches away from his face? <laughs> <Are you>? Well, <laughs> right up in his face. <laughs> That's the best part, I think. Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, yeah. I, no, probably not typically, but I, I'm not good at judging. I am not from the <laughs> selfie generation. <laughs> So it's hard for me to tell how close I need to be if I, to like hold the phone and get us both into the shot at the same so you time. Can see yourself. You can see yourself. Yeah, but I like I'm constantly worried I'm going to lose one of us. So I, I try to stay super tight in there so that that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's now it's become the thing. So now I guess now you have to keep doing it. It's the thing. Um. I mean, Justin doesn't mind. If anyone is concerned, like, he doesn't mind that, like, I'm all up in his face. Mm-hmm. We're married. It's so he, he, likes, <laughs> it's he, he likes me to be all up in his face. <laughs> I just can't believe that you have 30, like, 34,000 people follow you on TikTok. 
I didn't I didn't know if anybody would like it. It it tickled me and uh um Justin gets a kick out of it, I think. I I do think he legitimately is annoyed by it so, like sometimes, but overall. I know. do like all the comments that are like it, it's the perfect mix of I love you so much and also I can't stand what you're doing to me right now, but please don't <laughs> stop doing it to him. <laughs> it was it's really the early in our relationship um one of the first times we had a slumber party um <laughs> sure <laughs> that's yeah, what the that's, kids call it right uh-huh. uh I, he was trying to fall asleep and i was laying there thinking about crystal pepsi <laughs> and so i said hey justin do you remember crystal pepsi and in my head i had been having this whole conversation with myself about crystal so pepsi and i don't know that i had realized how long i'd been silent <laughs> Before, out of the blue, in the dark to him, I said, hey, Justin, do you remember Crystal Pepsi? And that is the moment he thought to himself, I'm going to marry this woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's very good. He, yeah. He has to remind me sometimes, like, I didn't hear the rest of that. Whatever just happened in your head that mm-hmm. led to that falling out of your mouth. I didn't get, I wasn't in on it. So you're going to have to rewind and tell me that part too <laughs> how do you feel that tiktok now has come to the consensus and this doesn't affect taylor and i because we're smurls but now taylor or now tiktok says that you're the funniest mcelroy um ooh. it's been decided in all the comments wow. that's what it's the, it's a running theme oh i don't know that i can i don't i mean there's charlie so well oh, that was i did true, see a few actually. comments where someone said i raised you charlie <laughs> so <laughs> you are right <laughs> And I mean, Cooper's right on her heels. I'm afraid of the power struggle that is going to engulf the entire world that will take place between your two children. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really true. And Cooper has the added element of she knows how to get in your head in a way like Charlie's Charlie's much um, sweeter. Cooper's spicier. Uh, yesterday, she got mad at me because I wouldn't let her have another gumball. She calls them gumballs. That's very good. And she just wants gumballs, more gumballs. And I'm like, you you just eat them and swallow them and I can't let you have another one right now. It's dinner time. And she looked at me and said, you know, she loves Jack Skellington and Sally. Those are her. She has those two stuffies. That's what mm-hmm. she sleeps with. It's my kid. And she said, Jackie and Sally say mean things about you. Oh, oh. no. And I said, oh. what? <laughs> uh oh, I don't like this. What do they say about you? Uh, that I give me a gumball that and I'll tell you. <laughs> that they are going to trap me and put me in jail. Oh, I don't like that her stuff. I don't like that. Are mean about me and want to put me in jail, and that my, that she's three and she told me that. It's all very upsetting. It also says a lot about them that that's what her stuffies tell her, and those are the stuffies she sleeps with. And when you look at Charlie's bed, it's just like. A rainbow unicorn squishmallow and her flamingo mm-hmm. and another unicorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very different. Yeah, I, I, uh, I really enjoyed uh, shopping for Cooper's most recent birthday because it was like, here's a, here's a chupacabra action figure mm-hmm. and Jack Skellington uh, <laughs> chia pet. These are things that I can buy you. She loves these things. The chupacabra was the pilot of the pretend plane we were on yesterday. Wow, wow. They are they are excellent in flight. Yeah, surprisingly, we got to our destination safe and sound. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
I know. I was I was shocked. I didn't think <laughs> I, di- I didn't think the focus would be on flight, but more on goats. But no, no. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> speaking of pretend, hey, how about okay. that? That was good. Speaking of playing pretend, uh, I this week I wanted us to talk about Calvin and Hobbes. All so, right. Thank uh-huh. you both for. I, I assume you've both read mm-hmm. some at least Calvin and Hobbes. Oh yeah, it was. I I read that it's been called like the greatest or the last great newspaper comic or something like that, something to that effect, acknowledging how great it was and that it was in the newspaper in the comics. Um, It was for a long time the only one that I would read Mm -hmm. when it was in the newspaper. Just open it straight to that. Didn't uh, didn't get into Dilbert. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, never got into Dilbert. You know that? Have you ever checked out? By the way, on a side note, like the Lockhorns are still at it. <laughs> what about? Did uh, you know that? What about the uh, Marmaduke? That big dog? And every every comic strip was that the big dog's in a place a big dog shouldn't be. <laughs> he's a dog, dog, but he's acting like a human. <laughs> oh, now I don't know if Mar. You know, is Marmaduke? He's probably still up in there. Um, I just noticed that the Lockhorns were still at it. And I was like, after all these years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, see, I, I, a lot of those comics, like, you know, I I don't like to judge other, other comic artists' work uh, negatively. But you look at them like, man, you got a lifetime gig. How? <laughs> How is this forever? Yeah. <laughs> Justin used to joke about... Um, because he used to work for a couple different lo- local newspapers that one of his editors told him that was the one thing you could never eliminate from a local newspaper is like to try to get rid of one of the comic strips, like to replace it or something yeah. or update it. He said, because it, I guarantee you there will be like five people who will write you at not and call nonstop to angrily inform you yeah. <laughs> that... Marmaduke wasn't there. That, yes, that that was their favorite thing, and you've ruined their Sunday, and they need it back. And every comic strip has maybe a small but incredibly vocal devoted following, right? And uh, and you just can't take any of them away. Gotta be doing something right, I guess. Yeah, I mean, for the longest time, our dad had a Dilbert strip taped to the door of his office. He didn't know. That's what I tried. He didn't know what yeah. he was doing. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Calvin and Hobbes, I I knew was in the paper and I probably saw in the paper, but I was one of those kids. I had all the books, mm-hmm. the big, like, nice, glossy collections of Calvin and Hobbes, um, which I, existed by the time I was buying them because it came out in 1985. Bill Watterson first started publishing it in 85 and then it ran to 95. Feels like longer, clean ten years. It does. Mm-hmm. There are lots of them. There's yeah. so many, and I mean, in part, like I own all of it, so of course it sure. feels like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you can buy the entire collection. It's like two big, giant, hardbacked, heavy tomes mm-hmm. of Calvin and Hobbes, if you so choose. You'd be like Sydney. <laughs> yeah, um, but man, that was my favorite thing to do when I was younger. Is we would go to the bookstore at the mall first, Walden Books. And then Borders when Walden Books closed and mm-hmm. buy another Calvin and Hobbes book mm-hmm. um, and hope that I hadn't already read too many of the strips inside. But you would still read them mm-hmm. even if you had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over and over. They were very comforting. Um, I always wanted a. you know, it's weird. 
Well, no, I guess it's not weird. So one of the things about, <laughs> now that I think about it, uh, I loved Calvin and Hobbes so much, and I know I wasn't alone. I know a lot of other kids did too, have this affection for that comic strip mm-hmm. about, if you haven't read it, which it hasn't everybody, but if you haven't read it, it's about a little boy, Calvin, he's six, and he has a stuffed tiger named Hobbes, except when they're alone, he's not stuffed. He's a live tiger named Hobbes, but like a nice one. I know I said live tiger and that can sound scary. <laughs> Don't worry. This isn't a comic strip about a six-year-old boy constantly being in fear of a real life tiger. <laughs> no. No, they're friends and they have fun together. And then when other people are around, he's a stuffed tiger again. And that's sort of the whole thing. Um, and it's uh, good because, I mean, it's funny. It's clever. But it's also about life and growing up and mm-hmm. change and... It's very philosophical. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It's weird that it, it. It's for kids, but so often there are like jokes and things in it that are not. That are obviously gonna be. That are not gonna land with a kid. You mm-hmm. know, they're obviously for the grown-ups who are reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, but famously, Bill Watterson didn't want to merchandise his creation. He didn't want a bunch of like Calvin stuffies and whatnot. So I was thinking, like, it's weird I never had a Hobbs because I loved Hobbs so much. But I guess it's not weird because you couldn't mm-hmm. you couldn't buy a Hobbs. Yeah. Um, why did he not want to? He just kind of he wanted to do his art for doing it. Like he wanted to make his thing and put it out into the world and not like commercialize it and put a price tag on everything and mm-hmm. uh, and cheapen it to some extent. I mm-hmm. think he just kind of wanted to because he also doesn't like he didn't want to talk to people. He didn't want to be interviewed. He didn't want to be famous. He wanted to do his thing, put it out into the world and go back and do more of his thing. Right. Um, and all the noise around it was not his was not his bag. I can understand that. Yeah. Taylor, is that, do you feel does that cut, like your <laughs> comics artist as well? Uh, well, I, I feel like I mean, even in school, Bill mm-hmm. Watterson was very revered as sort of an artist artist like, you know, that that he he did have such a commitment to his work and not cheapening it by selling things. I think that 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 was a everybody respected the way that mm-hmm. he he treated his his work. And I, I mean, I, I do I do, you know, I think that merchandising is it's something that you almost have to do these days. It's so hard to make a living as an artist. But the fact that he mm-hmm. didn't is a testament to just how, you know, masterful he was. And I mean, yeah. it's a it's a on the surface, it's a goofily drawn comic. But if you really look at the ink work that he's doing, it's like like that's just brushwork that he just whips out. Like, I don't think he uses pencil line. He just does that. And it's just mm-hmm. that's so amazing. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, without knowing the kind of the what goes into that mm-hmm. sort of artwork, I mean, I always thought, especially when Calvin is pretending to be one of the other characters like Spaceman Spiff and stuff, that some of the art there is just really, it's so detailed and colorful and beautiful mm-hmm. and expressive um, and so different than the black and white strips of, you know, the other comics. Yeah. I also, I always appreciated uh, that they're so small, they're so short, like each individual one, <laughs> but they're still like, you still get a full like story. I, th- I just feel like that takes a lot of like forethought going in mm-hmm. that it's, I mean, it's cute and it's funny, but also like there are, adult, like you said, like jokes that are for adults or commentary on life and all that kind of stuff, but they're so short, yeah. but he gets all that in there in just a few panels. I think that's really, 
that is really cool. That is true. And it's not it's not the same format as a lot of Sunday comics where there's like a weird setup that the point is to deliver a punchline. It, these aren't really set up punchline kind of comics, you know, they they mm-hmm. kind of some of them have jokes, but some of them are just sort of a a four panel sort of reflection on something or just an odd little back and forth, you know, like and I like that. It's a very very specific comedic timing to mm-hmm. Calvin and Hobbes. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. There was one on the on the comedy end that always used to make me laugh out loud. Um, and it was Calvin. And you're in Calvin's world most of the time. And so what he is seeing and experiencing in his imagination is what you are seeing and experiencing. And in his imagination, he's suddenly become invisible. But his clothes are not invisible. So he removes his clothes and what you see are like the clothes floating in midair and then mm-hmm. being removed. And so now he is invisible and he can move about the house undetected. Mm-hmm. And the punchline of the strip is his mom walks into the scene and finds a little naked Calvin reaching <laughs> into a cookie jar and looking at her surprise like, why can you see me? And it was just such a perfect little because when his mom enters, now we're back out of his imagination right. and we're into the real world. But it was just... The way that it hits always made me laugh. The idea of <laughs> your kid thinking that they're invisible and then trying to get cookies without you knowing. Yeah. And you're standing there looking at them naked going, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what? why do you think you can get a cookie right now? And also, are you naked? <laughs> what is happening? Everything about it just always, I don't know. Yeah. Even as a kid, That's like good. as a parent, it's funny. But as a kid, it just every time I would see that strip, it would just make me laugh. Because well, he's naked. Yeah. God, how silly. It was very funny. silly. Well, I was like in a in one of the books that I, I, I got to prepare for this, there's a, a foreword and they talk about how the charm of Calvin and Hobbes is that so many people that write like, oh, what a wacky little kid kind of comics just make these little like sarcastic adults, you know, mm-hmm. but that Calvin and Hobbes truly does capture like just the weird randomness of children. Like, I mean, you said you know like your kids make up weird stuff and do weird things you know and it's like there's no there's no logic to it there's that's you know it's something different and new every day and that definitely Mm -hmm. is you know in Calvin and Hobbes it's like it feels like a very real child's imagination yeah it's so true that one of the things I've referenced a lot is um Calvin Ball so in the strips um Calvin and Hobbes play a sport that he made up Mm -hmm. called Calvin Ball. And the whole joke is that Calvin Ball has increasingly uh, complex (laughs) and intricate rules Mm -hmm. um, that change and are added to. And and like he's because he's making it all up. Uh, And I've always thought of that as like very clear a stage of childhood development, the concrete stage of development when you need to make a lot of rules for things. And that you see kids go through those where like, oh, my gosh, Charlie will want us to do something. And before we play the game or or engage in the imaginary world, she has like this whole list of things Mm -hmm. that are the rules. And then we'll do this and then we'll do and then you'll say this. And then this is the other thing that has to happen. And also this is happening. And like and it's a very structured imaginary experience. And that's a normal stage of childhood development Mm -hmm. is this like, I love to make rules and put walls around my world because I'm just now understanding that that's kind of how the world works or with these structures within it and I can make them. And um, 
it's just so it's so perfect and i'll mm-hmm. say that all the time like well this is just the calvin ball stage of development mm-hmm. that's just what's happening right now yeah. it's normal it's fine <laughs> yeah charlie has gotten mad at me many times when i've been playing barbies with her or dolls or whatever and i'm not saying exactly what she wants me to say in response <laughs> it's like well i'm so sorry i did not know the rules going into this <laughs> yes i've and and cooper is entering that um yeah yeah i they both they that is i don't know the, and calvin ball I, I guess you can use it the other way and say this game is total calvin ball which means we're just making it up as we go along right that um, is really but, interesting though because that seems to reflect like a, a genuine real stage of like like you said child development but mm-hmm. he put that in a comic you wouldn't you wouldn't know that unless you were a parent or mm-hmm. a doctor or i don't know I, I just think that's interesting yeah it's it's just it's a very insightful to, mm-hmm. like way of yes yeah yes and if you're if you remember being a kid you've been there and if you are around kids you see it yeah and it's also hilarious yeah calvin ball is always hilarious <laughs> <laughs> um that that was one, always one of my favorites and the other one of my favorite uh tropes was the transmogrifier mm-hmm. which is a word i have now taught charlie to <laughs> i thought you had because i've heard her use that before mm-hmm. The idea of getting in a box and coming out as something different, mm-hmm. um, which is another thing kids love to do constantly. I, I don't I don't think I remember that from being a kid, but um, my kids turn into your guinea pig all the time. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that, well, that's true. Just like out of nowhere, like Cooper will just be sitting there and all of a sudden she'll get on all fours and go <laughs> and come over to me and like nuzzle me. And I'm like, are you are you Ruth? Yes. <laughs> then Ruth says yes, and then I'm like, okay, okay. And then she'll go carrot. <laughs> Ruth does love carrot. She's got her down pat. Yeah. That's, that's an excellent Ruth. That's a ten out of ten Ruth. Yeah, wait till you see it. It's a really good. Listen, it's <laughs> a great Ruth. Uh, the last time I saw them, they were both zombies. Uh, when I walked in the room, that was mm-hmm. that was actually terrifying. They they both the spookily good zombies. <laughs> Cooper especially because her voice yeah you don't I don't understand how her voice gets to that point she's so small and it's so deep yeah. and so gravelly and so loud <laughs> I don't understand the volume is truly the impressive. volume <laughs> uh I I want to talk more about what we all I think love about Calvin and Hobbes but before we do that let's check the group message uh first of all this week I want to ask you both are you looking to upgrade your self-care routine always yeah who isn't these days right always looking to take a little better care of yourself uh, feel a little bit better um well native has you covered uh because they care about what's under there and under there i mean under your arms in your pits in your pits yes um that's why their deodorants ingredients list includes things like coconut oil and shea butter stuff that you know what that is you've heard of that And you know it's going to feel good in your armpits. Uh, Not only feel good, it's going to smell good. Uh, They have over 10 scents that you can choose from. They've got classic ones uh, like the coconut that I love so much, um, but also seasonal. I was going to say flavors, but that's not the right (laughs) word here. Scents. Seasonal scents. You're not supposed to eat it. (laughs) Please don't eat this. Put native deodorant under your arms. It will feel good. It will smell good. Um... And none of their products are tested on animals, and almost everything is vegan. So you can Wonderful. you can also feel good in your heart, not just in your pets, but in your heart <laughs> about native deodorant. So if our if our listeners want to check out native deodorant, 
What should they do, Tay? Well, you can make the switch to Native today by going to nativedo.com slash buffering or use promo code buffering at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedo.com slash buffering or use promo code buffering at checkout and get that 20% off your first order. So Sid talked about what's under her pits. I want to tell you about what's under my shoes. Ooh. That's my socks. Ah. Um, and I wear Bombas when I wear socks because they're dedicated to making the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. In the history of feet. Wow. Which is a long and storied history. <laughs> That's like always, right? Like even animals have feet. That's, That's like always. Yeah, a lot of things have a feet. A lot of things have feet. <laughs> Tables even have feet, right? Like legs and feet. Well, but don't put your Bombas on them. Put, put them on, on your feet. put them on your feet, but I'm just saying feet. Your feet, human feet, ones. Feet have been around <laughs> for a long time. Thought about how many feet are around you at any given moment. A lot. <laughs> oh, Bombas has rethought every little detail of the socks we wear to make them way more comfortable, which I don't know about you all, but when I'm, I don't know, going for a run, going for a workout, I know I'm going to be on my feet for a long time. I need to wear comfortable socks because mm-hmm. it really makes a difference about whether your shoes feel comfy or not. Sure. But these socks do more than keep your feet cozy because for every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. So the generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 40 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of 3,000 plus giving partners. So you can feel good in your feet and in your heart. And in your heart. Just, just like the, just like the last thing one. I'm working yeah. with. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's good. It's good. Thanks. <laughs> and the impact is more powerful than ever. To those experiencing homelessness, these socks represent the dignity of putting on clean clothes, a small comfort that's especially important right now. So, you know, your feet feel good and you're making sure someone else feels good about themselves and, and you're doing you're doing good helping others. So, Tay, if our listeners want to check out Bombas, what should they do? Well, you can give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash buffering. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash buffering for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash buffering. So, um, I was trying to think of some of my favorite like Calvin and Hobbes and why and and by the way I should say um because we touched on the merchandising thing and how that just wasn't a thing and it has occurred to me that like you can read about the very few licensed actual like legitimate Calvin and Hobbes products that were ever made and there weren't a lot um I owned a t-shirt that I am now realizing must have been an unlicensed t-shirt i was i know i was thinking about that last week when you mentioned that i'm like i don't think he ever gave t-shirt licenses yeah i feel i think there was like one very specific t-shirt that was issued for like uh, a specific event or something but but that was it no this this would not have been that (laughs) t-shirt um (laughs) what was uh, your t-shirt it was calvin and Hobbes laying uh in the grass under a tree looking up at the sky and it said People say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one, which, of course, is not a quote from... It's not? That is Calvin Hobbes. <laughs> Did I... Now I'm interested to know if these... If this t-shirt company had licensing from... Calvin and Hobbes, and did they have licensing to use Beatles lyrics on their shirt? Probably With not. With Calvin and Hobbes. But here's what's weird. I feel like mom got it at, like, Hot Topic or something, but that can't be right, right? Know. Well, I I mean, this was pre-internet, right? In like in terms of I'm not pre-internet, but you know what I mean. In terms of ordering shirts, there's no way mom got this off the internet. Yeah, she would have bought it in a store. 
Well, but I mean, that's think about all of those. I think the 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 most offensive uh, copyright infringement of Calvin and Hobbes are those stupid little truck stickers with Calvin yeah. peeing on random yes. things. Oh my god! Like those yep. those were around in the '90s, and those were yeah. definitely those were definitely not licensed, but those were definitely available in stores. Yeah. I guess that's true. I guess, I guess Bill Watterson has talked about that, like that he just could not have predicted how popular it would be to have Calvin peeing on a Ford logo. <laughs> <laughs> how could you have ever foreseen that that's what that's what the people want that's fair (laughs) what how how offensive like here's my character that i i you know drew so lovingly and and nuanced about childhood and just millions of people have them on the back of their trucks peeing on things it's bummer it is unfortunate and it was not the spirit of calvin calvin wouldn't be the kid who would go pee on your truck i mean he got into mischief but that not that kind of well, it's a, that's it wasn't mean spirited. No, I think peeing no. on your truck is mean spirited. What if they didn't know? Why did you? <laughs> why did you say that so sneakily? <laughs> what if they didn't know? What if nobody knows? I'm just curious. I have so many questions about this. One, why are you defending this? Two, what? What do you mean? What if they didn't know? And three, like, why did you do it? Okay, I did. I did it. I am just saying, when I get into my car on a regular basis, I don't like go around it and sniff and make sure there's not like any pee anywhere or anything. I just get in. I'm just saying like if Calvin were, I'm just saying I don't, uh, it's just a little mischievous, you know, maybe he peed on someone's truck tire and, and they would never know. If pee falls on a truck and there's no one around (laughs) to hear it. Does it make a sound? Did it ever happen? (laughs) Does it even count? I don't know. I don't know. Uh... (laughs) Well, these are questions that Calvin and Hobbes would have sought to answer, though, I feel like. Very philosophical. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I have not peed on any trucks. I would like to make that very clear. You know who makes a statement like that? Someone that's peed on a lot of trucks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know when we talked about peeing on trucks that you'd come come strongly in the pro column. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I am here in defense of... Just a, just a just a little bit of mischief. Oh, just a, it's just a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. It's I'm just, just saying I don't think it's mean. I'm just it's a little bit. I see this feel that feels too directed for Calvin. Calvin was more like, you know, chaos. Just like thing, I would say, Cal- that's chaotic. That, well, it's that thing that ki- like kids have that thing where they just happen. They just keep happening that's over true. and over in the world, and it's without a lot of direction necessarily. Like, um. Like when it like this like the strip where he's hammering nails into the coffee table. Mm-hmm. See that that's one of my favorite ones because it's just you know his mom comes in the room and says what are you doing and he says what does it look like like obviously <laughs> yeah he, I you mean can see me doing it <laughs> and and like you know I've been that parent like looking at your kid going why why and you know don't even bother to ask because like they're just gonna look at you like I don't know I'm yeah. six I don't know <laughs> why do I do anything. <laughs> Um, but that that's the energy of of Calvin I feel like you know yeah I one of my favorites uh, the the energy of Calvin is when he has to do I love when they would do some of the extended stories like in the books the extended strips that would you know carry on Mm -hmm. a narrative Um, the one where he had to do a report for school on bats Mm -hmm. and he forgot to do it until he was on his way to school 
and he like draws a bat out of the Batman logo to present and he's trying to find out facts about bugs and he asks he or about bats and he asks Susie on the bus and she won't tell him and he's like they're bugs right aren't bats bugs and she's like no and that's like the first thing he says he gets up in front of the class and he's like out of the night sky these leathery bugs and everybody's like bats aren't bugs <laughs> I, I love there's a an exchange between him and Susie where it's like show and tell he's like what did you bring for show and tell and Susie says a letter to my congressman <laughs> He says I brought a bag of dead bugs. I'm like, yeah. That was was a running theme. There was another one where he tries to make an insect collection on his way. Uh And he's like catching dead. He's he's like squishing bugs and putting them together to take to give to his teacher. (laughs) I I read an article. I was was preparing for this episode. It was actually on Vox. And it was about how throughout this pandemic and this lockdown and quarantine, we've all become... Calvin in some way we've all needed to become Calvin because they they talk about how like he created Hobbes to kind of like escape the world and it's Mm -hmm. his own reality yeah and through this lockdown we all have become Calvin we have all created our own realities to to escape into um with our own our own Hobbes I believe that I, I like that I think that's true I always loved um the ones where it was just him and Hobbes like on a sled or on the wagon and the the Really, it's funny. You talk about how there isn't really a punchline. A lot of those, there wasn't. The expected punchline, I guess, is that they would sort of fall at mm-hmm. the end. Like, they would crash. Um, That's always funny. But but that was really, like, it was just them discussing something mm-hmm. about the world and about life and why do things work a certain way and why why does it have to be like this? Or have you ever thought about this interesting thing while they're tumbling down a hill on a sled? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was the whole thing. There's a a lot that specifically like about like, where do you think you go when you die or what happens when you die? And like, that's, Mm -hmm. it was always in framed by, by them careening down the hill in a a wagon or a sled. It was just just an interesting vehicle for that, that discussion, Mm -hmm. which once again, never has a plot, a punchline outside of like, I don't know, maybe we join a string quartet or something. Like it's always random. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. And they, they, that is interesting because it's a strip about a kid and they have the one where he does uh his mom tries to save a what was it a baby bunny or something remember and it dies Mm. there's the one they try to rescue a baby animal and the like that they found that Mm -hmm. was hurt and the baby and the the animal passes away and he has to like confront death i know Got deep. He's just like hugging Hobbs. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That, that, I mean, it was a strip about those things, which is wild because I, I was, man, I just would devour those books mm-hmm. as a kid. Yeah. Um, I was so into that. <laughs> I was so into That's mortality. Very, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. <laughs> um, and they, they had stuff like that that were very much aimed at the parents, too. I remember there was one strip that I don't think there's any words in it. It's there's snow outside. Calvin is excited. He goes running over to his dad and like points out the window and his dad like gestures to his desk with like all these papers like. Sorry, kid. Busy. Yeah. And so he goes outside and like the dad's sitting there and he's kind of looking out the window and looking at his desk. And then he like the ne- the last panel is him running outside to play with, ho- with Calvin. Yeah. And it's like what kid was like 
good. That dad made a good choice. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got to balance your family and work life. And the dad really got it in that moment. You know, no cats in the cradle here. This is this dad really. I mean, you know, there was no way at 12. I was like, I get this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I. The the way that the parents are presented, I think, is really unique for the times, too, because, you know, a lot of those, especially like the, you know, 80s and 90s comic strips, the family dynamics were so brutal in a lot of these. Like the joke was, Mm -hmm. look at how abusive this father is. Like, you know, like, yeah, look at him yell Mm -hmm. at his wife and and whack his kid. Like that was funny, I guess. But it's not there's none of that kind of humor here. The parents are very like they're they're. They're written like people, even though it's a it's a comic. Mm-hmm. No, it's really true. They do. They love each other. They support and love their kid. When they get mad, they get mad in the way parents get mad. Mm-hmm. Um, not in some exaggerated hyperbolic fashion. I mean, yeah, it that is really true, and it is refreshing, especially we. <laughs> We just referenced the Lockhorns, yeah. <laughs> which is a comic strip, a strip about two people who are married and hate each other. Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. That, like, <laughs> They're married, but they hate each other. Like I think that says something sad about your life. If that's the comic that like I need this in my life because it lets me laugh at myself. Like no, <laughs> get out of your yeah. marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe counseling. Yeah. Maybe I it don't feels know. like like a BuzzFeed quiz. Like tell us your go-to childhood comic, and we'll tell you something about your. <laughs> <laughs> and if you take the lock horns it's just like do you need are you okay talk to somebody please uh, yeah. um i always i always appreciate in 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 like comic worlds like this when there's a character like Susie durkins who i feel like is for me to be like oh there i am yeah that's what i thought yeah well, there you are, Sydney. Yeah, you showed up. There she is. <laughs> That's, I, Good. I felt like on the the dead bugs to uh, letter to congressman spectrum, you are firmly <laughs> in the Susie side of things. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I definitely. You feel like um, like Susie Durkins and Lisa Simpson are cut from the same cloth to some extent. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. I see that. And yeah. then constantly looking at these these other children in their life, like. <sighs> <laughs> It felt very similar to Charlie and Cooper as well. Like dead bugs, letter to congressman. I was like, well, there's Charlie and there's Cooper with her dead bugs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do like the, uh, I, you know, I mean, like the kind of awareness of the weird way that young people, I guess, flirt without really knowing it. Like there's that kind of, there's that, those cute moments where like, you know, they're both calling each other various insults and then they're like, oh, you know, he likes me. She likes me. It's a very like. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 an it's a they're both aware of like having like childhood crushes on each other, which I think is cute. Mm-hmm. Why did uh he and he had the um boys only club gross? What it but what did it stand for? No. Get rid of uh I'll have to look that up. But that um there was that and uh I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, <laughs> I was thinking about the Susie and Calvin back and forth. Um, Have you? There, that makes me think. Did you see that? Uh, it's not. It's not Bill Watterson, but somebody mimicked his style very well not too long ago and did like a grown-up Calvin. Strip, oh yeah, and it was Calvin and Susie married. It was very sweet. Yeah. Oh. As much as I, as much as I don't want to see somebody, you know, steal an artist's style and and make work unlicensed, it was. It was a very nice fan tribute, I'd say, to Bill Watterson. 
Yes. Um, gross is get rid of slimy girls, but the last S is the S at the end of that's girls. How, that's how. That's how. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and him and Hobbs have to fight for positions in the club. Yeah. Because he's like president and first tiger. Yeah. And then Calvin becomes like dictator for life or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He does call himself dictator for life. Yeah. 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 I, d- yeah. I do appreciate the, um, but yeah, I appreciate the idea that, because in my head, of course, they grew up and got married and like Calvin gives Hobbs to his little boy or girl. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You're about to cry right no, now. No, <laughs> I'm just saying like that, you know, that has to be. Yes. We have to create this world for these yeah. characters. Yes. Although, I, alternatively, Forever Children is probably yeah, probably quite legitimate for, for Calvin and the world that he lived in with Hobbes. Yeah. Um, that, but yeah, the other thing that, that I, can, I still quote uh, from Calvin and Hobbes is chocolate frosted sugar bombs. <laughs> I will frequently <laughs> tell my children that they can't have cereal for breakfast because essentially... It's just chocolate frosted sugar bombs, yeah. and you don't need that right now. <laughs> Maybe just as a treat, but no, we're we're gonna eat something healthy. <laughs> I, I think one of I think one of my ongoing favorite bits is the the dad's ranking in the house that Calvin frequently reports on. <laughs> like, Dad, you're pol- you're way down in the polls. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's just I don't know why it's so funny to me, but. Uh, got like a bar graph of like dad (laughs) (laughs) oh those are so good yeah it it really i think that it gave a window to the fact that and you knew this i mean even though i wasn't reading it when i was six and it's about a six-year-old um you know still pretty intimately when you are young that you've been having these big thoughts and big questions and big ideas for a long time And adults seem to not get that, right? Like, that's part of childhood, is feeling like all the adults assume you don't get it, but you do get it, Mm -hmm. only you don't know how to cope with it. And you just are left to sort of puzzle it out in your kid brain by yourself. And that is, like, such a fundamental experience to childhood that this is just all about Mm -hmm. and gives voice to and light to and room to. And to read it is so reassuring Mm -hmm. that yes this is especially as a kid yes that is where we all are well all of our brains are doing that you're not Mm -hmm. alone you know and you can tell it to a stuffed tiger if you want to because you you're not alone right (laughs) i don't know that was a fundamental thing for me as i felt like i was there with calvin and hobbs and Susie, and we were fine everybody's uh, fine i I think it you know as an adult it's still much the same like it's it's a comic about the intense nuanced inner world that we all have we all have Mm -hmm. those beliefs and those little you know fantasies and you know like our the 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 vehicles for talking to ourselves, basically like and so i don't think it's you know it doesn't just end with childhood we find different ways of doing it that are more socially acceptable but it it's an evergreen comic i feel like for that reason Mm -hmm. that's very true although instead of um like philosophizing about life with my stuffed tiger at night now i lay there in bed and like give imaginary speeches to congressional committees in my head (laughs) (laughs) sure is that isn't everybody not what you all do Mm -hmm. basically yeah Yeah. i talk to jack a lot 
<laughs> I talk to Ruth a lot. Yeah. Just the congressional committees. That's all that's in my yeah. head. Just speeches. That's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, thank you both. That was <laughs> it. Was wonderful to delve back into that world. That was a very comfortable, safe place for me growing up, and I uh, appreciated you all sharing it. Yeah. Thank you. Happy to. Yeah. What's next? Uh, I believe it's my turn next. Yes. Uh, I want to talk about a movie. Um, I want to talk about. I believe it came out in 1998. Uh, SLC Punk, <laughs> starring Matthew Lillard. All right. Mm. I've never seen it. I haven't either, but I love Matthew Lillard. Excited. Uh, it's been a while since I've rewatched it, but uh, it was always, I don't know, for me, it was a very seminal film, like sort of <laughs> punk culture, but also making fun of punk culture. Excellent. Awesome. All right. Well, we will watch that for next week. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you both. Thank you, listeners. Um, I hope you enjoyed. I hope you have. If you haven't read Cabin and Hobbs, please do. You probably have. Most people have. But if you haven't, it's worth it. It holds up. Uh, you should you should email us at stillbuffering at maximumfun.org if you have thoughts or suggestions or questions or comments. You should tweet at us if you want to at stillbuff. Um, and you should go to maximumfun.org for lots of podcasts that I think you would enjoy. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. Uh, and I, I am... To Maybe you change your mind. Maybe you change your mind. Some chocolate frosted sugar bombs. <laughs> <laughs> right now. Although I didn't know, I, Calvin and Hobbes, the way that, that he draws food, used to make me gag. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. The dinner did. Yeah, the dinner was rough. It's always that wish. Maximum Fun is a network by and for cool, popular people. But did you know it also has an offering designed to appeal to nerds? A show for nerds? On Maximum Fun? The devil, you say? It's true. It's called The Greatest Generation, and they review episodes of a television program for nerds called Star Trek. They've reviewed TNG, DS9, and are now reviewing Voyager. Hey, Star Trek. My daughter enjoys that program. Well, if she enjoys that, and she enjoys humor of the flatulent variety, might I recommend she subscribe to The Greatest Generation? Hey, are you calling my kid a nerd? Why, I oughta... Well, gotta go! Become a friend of DeSoto by subscribing to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org today! MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.